0: Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up here in just a few minutes, going to be joined by former OSU quarterback Zach Robinson. He said to join us. He's working with five folks over at Pro Football Focus. We'll talk everything about Patrick Mahomes. also talk about the college football playoff and a few other things with uh, Zach coming up in uh, just a few minutes from right now. Also going to be joined by Matt Reynolds. He's live down in uh, Miami at the Orange Bowl. He'll give us an update on uh, those Sooners and uh, their matchup with Alabama coming up here in uh, just a few minutes from right now. We'll hear from Matt Reynolds of uh, CBS Sports Radio in Oklahoma City. All that and more coming up on today's show. Tom, uh, how did you, how, how was your Christmas, my man? Oh, it was pretty good. You
1: know, just stayed around uh, Bartlesville and went to so many different families out and you know, kind of kicked it. So it was
0: good. What about yours? You know, Christmas was good around here. We uh, we did about three Christmases, I think. or At least I lost track anyway. But I'm glad that we, we got that out of the way, that Christmas was earlier in the week, Tom, because then we get to, you know, Wednesday or Thursday and right into game week with these co- this college football playoff coming on Saturday. Uh, I mean, you get the holiday out of the way, you know, do all that business, And now we're back to business, you know, right in time for these playoff games uh, to come. I've been waiting so long for these games. I I dealt with that TCU game the other night that uh, had, like, what, nine interceptions? And then you had the the bowl game that Boise State was in after two possessions got canceled. Um, I'm tired of all the jib-jab, you know. I mean, those are fun storylines, but let's get down to the real business. Yeah, no joke. You
1: know, I haven't... Be honest, I haven't really had a chance, or even really sit down to watch any of the bowl. I am mean, not have bits and pieces, but not just full-on bowl. Um, so now I'm just ready for the, uh, you know, ready for the ones that
0: actually matter. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, and uh, in particular that Orange Bowl matchup, Oklahoma and Alabama going up head to head in that uh, Capital One Orange Bowl. It's going to be the nightcap. Of the semifinals. Tom, this is the one we've all been waiting for the matchup between Kyler Murray and Tua Tungaviola. And heading into this week, there are some issues in regard to the quarterback position. Tua is at about 80 85%. Kyler was kind of sick earlier in the week, some illness, but that's been kind of dismissed now. Everybody says that he looks all right, but I know that puts OU fans in a tough spot considering that, you know, Baker Mayfield last year went in with the flu. Uh, to the uh, you know the national semifinal and ultimately uh, you know he he wore out of energy by the time that game was over. So with those things in mind, I would say Tom that and you factor in how physical Alabama's defense is. It would not shock me if we see multiple quarterbacks in this game from one of these two teams. Not saying that you know Kyler's illness is going to be that big of an issue, but you know if he does get banged up or something, you know if Austin Kendall has to come in or if Jalen Hurts has to come in on the other side, I don't think that's a stretch. If you're looking for like a prop bet or something like that, I think there might be a good chance we could see uh, these two teams, uh, w- at least one of the two anyway, use multiple quarterbacks in this game. I could
1: definitely see that on Alabama's part. I mean, Jalen Hurts was kind of already proven did it in an SEC championship game. Uh, two is not good to go or something happens or oh they might just even run a Jalen Hurts they might have a package around that uh, just to see if OU can stop it.
0: Yeah. Um, they might.
1: You know you know you know, I mean OU's defense is pretty lackluster, but if OU figures them out or if they're kinda of stalling on offense or not, you know, kinda of getting slow played there. They might throw in a Jalen Hurts package to kind of change things up, see what else it opens up. As far as Kyler Murray, uh, I think it's kind of the same thing. I, I mean, they say it's the same thing as last year with Baker. I mean, it was on the same day, same ordeal. Um, I think he's fine. Uh, you know, I think I think he'll be ready for the game. I, I say that. I, I mean, Austin Kittle, you know, that's a, definitely an option. Uh, but I, I think Alabama would be more suited to, you know, Go on a different quarterback.
0: So it's one like Jalen Hurts, the OU would be the playoffs in Kendall. Sure, sure. But here, here's a question: If if I'm an OU fan, here's what I'm wondering going into this game: Would you rather see Tua at eighty percent or Jalen Hurts out there at a hundred percent? Because I, I think that what you saw from Tua in that SEC championship game is that hey, he is not the same quarterback when he's when he's injured. Uh, you know that going in that, you know, hey, he is not the same guy. With Jalen Hurts, he looked outstanding in the SEC championship game. I mean, he took Alabama to two national championship games in his career. Uh, who Who is it that you'd rather see if you're OU? Do you like the matchup with a better quarterback and Tua, but he is a little banked up, or with a healthy Jalen Hurts? Uh, what's What do you think? What's the dilemma that uh, OU should be, uh, you know, that they're putting themselves in? What's a better situation? Is it a healthy Jalen Hurts, or is it a little banged-up Tua for the Sooners?
1: You know, honestly, and it's hard to say because Tua was so good this year, I'm going to have to go with a little banged-up Tua because Jalen Hurts always plays like he has something to prove. Uh, and that's not good. <laughs> that's not good for any team. Uh, and you know he's just sitting there licking his chops, waiting to get a chance. Um, and he knows that the potential that he plays is – I think, higher than 50% that he sees some game time. Um, So, at this point, I think, honestly, I would say we would see both of them unless Tua just comes out and is just completely fine. Uh, But I think the better situation for OU is to keep a banged-up Tua in the game and and roll with it uh, because I don't think you want to see, you know, the dynamic Jalen Hurts. I, I don't think that defense, you know, they have to. They, I mean, they have to focus on something, and, and to have to game plan for both quarterbacks
0: possibly is already scary enough. Yeah, it is. It's a tough situation to be put in, uh, no doubt about that. But I'm with you. I'd rather deal with Tua as is compared to what Jalen Hurts is uh, is capable of. Because you mentioned the motivation factor with Jalen Hurts, that extra juice that he could have uh, if Tua's was banged up. And you can rattle him a little bit. That could go a long way. But I think that Alabama's going to put up points no matter who's playing quarterback. And that goes to the next question here. The ultimate, the big thing that everybody wants to know, looking at this matchup between OU and Alabama, is can the OU defense get enough stops to win this game? That's the million-dollar question. That's ultimately what this whole entire game is going to come down to. OU's offense is going to get theirs. Alabama's offense is going to get theirs. Alabama's defense is going to have a few moments. But can OU's defense step up enough? Here's the deal. Here's the thing when you look at this OU defense. You're not asking them to hold Alabama under 30 points. You're not asking that. What you're asking is that the OU defense get enough stops and get enough turnovers and to put their offense in position to capitalize and win this game. That's exactly what they did against Texas. They made some big plays, some timely plays, and some big moments. Held Texas to, what was it, 27 points in that Big 12 championship game. They reduced their yardage a whole lot. To me, that's what you're asking for. And that makes a huge difference, is that you're asking for that from this OU defense. And, um, you know, I'll get to my pick in this game here in just a second, Tom. But I would think... That if they're playing at their best, if you get the OU defense at their best, certainly they can get a few stops and a few turnovers that could make the difference in this ball game. Oh, it's
1: not mostly going to make the difference in this ball game. I think that in a way we know it doesn't rest on the defensive shoulders, but also in a way we know that OU's defense, while I'm not asking a whole lot, you're also asking, hey. We, you know, you don't have to stop them every time. You don't have to hold them under 30 points or whatever because OU's offense is still going to get theirs. But to make it easier on the offense, you can't just, I mean, that's what's going to come down. You can't just let Alabama score will and, and put the offense. You're going to have to give them some rest or to get some big turnovers. I mean, they're, this is going to ride for the OU defense on big plays. Uh, you know, big timely sacks uh, interception or, you know, a tip, tip interception or something like that at a big moment. And I think they're just going to have to be, OU's defense is just going to have to be clutch. They're not going to have to be great. They're just going to have to be clutch when it matters.
0: Yeah. And just, just do enough, do enough to win this game. And, and OU could be in good shape to win this one. Uh, the, the injury factor besides the quarterbacks, uh, you know, Hollywood Brown, you know, Marquise Brown is dealing with an ankle injury, uh, and he looks like he's going to be okay. He's held off on surgery. He's going to play. Uh, some of these other guys here, uh, Tom, you, this week off. You know these these weeks off these guys had. Um, you know, if normally I would say the advantage in having a few weeks off is going to go to Nick Saban. Uh, all that time to prepare for a team and all that time to get ready for a game. But I, I would say that in this case with as bad as OU defense, OU's defense is, the worst defense in the history of the college football playoff, granted the college football playoff isn't that old, but they are. They're the worst defense ever to enter the college football playoff. There's nowhere to go but up. And you've had all that time to rest, all that time to get healthy, and, I mean, you have a guy in, in Ruffin McNeil who is not Mike Stoops. You might be willing to take some gambles to try some different things to see that works, because they have the athletes uh, it's just a matter of seeing what they can, you know, put together essentially in some of these big moments. Normally, I would give the edge almost every time to Nick Saban for having the layoff, but in this case, uh, that OU defense—I uh, mean, like—I mean, they've only had time to get better during this point in time. Um, ultimately, we'll see how it plays out, but I would think, Tom, that in this circumstance, OU would have the edge of having this time off.
1: Oh, most definitely. I mean, Nick Saban's been playing well, uh, regardless. But I mean, he already kind of knows what he has uh, with OU defense. So, I mean, I I think it's best for OU to have that time off. You know, if they were to play and give OU's defense no time at all, give you know Oklahoma no time at all to prepare for Alabama, uh, I, I think Alabama would would hands down win the game. If it was, let's say, the week after. The Big 12 and SEC championships, you know, I, I think Alabama wins that game. But now giving OU time to prepare, we, we already know that Alabama is pretty much pretty well prepared uh, just for about anything. I mean, they have the personnel, they have the head coach, uh, you, you know, going to different schemes with the time plan. And we know they're going to be – we know they're well coached. We know how good they are. They've been this way for a long time. Uh, but giving OU that time to say, hey – Maybe we can put a game plan together now. We don't have. It's just not a flip of a week to figure this out. They've had three, four weeks uh, to to figure this out. So uh, definitely advantage OU in the time that you know it's taking uh, for this game to be played. Uh, I mean, maybe one aspect for Alabama that is good. Maybe it's given you know to us some time to heal up a little bit more. Uh, but. You know he's still not at 100, percent so the jury's still out on on that case. So advantage OU at the time for sure, but I mean it's still it's still Alabama.
0: Another thing I'll bring up in regards to this matchup, Tom, is that I, I would say this game is definitely more important for OU than it is Alabama. I know that. You know their their guy didn't win the Heisman Trophy and all that. You know, I mean, and and some would say that you know, hey, they might have revenge on their minds. Whatever. I I don't think that's a big deal. I think playing for this is big as is. You don't need to worry about the Heisman Trophy being a factor in this. I'll say that for OU's sake, and I don't know if this is. I, I I don't think this is extra motivation by any means, but I do think that this, as far as moving forward, plays a big step. If OU loses this game. To Alabama. They would be the only team in the history of the college football playoff to lose three games in the playoff. And not to mention, they would be 0 3 in the playoff. If, if that's the case, if OU walks out of here with an 0 3 record, then I think that it's fair. It's fair to say, too, there would be rumblings about, okay. Does OU deserve to be in the playoff in the future? Are they going to just choke on the big stage going forward? We heard him about that for years with the BCS. Bob Stoops struggled in these BCS games over the years. He lost, you know, almost every single one, uh, you know, of those those BCS games. You know, I mean, he, he won, a, you know, a national championship, but his record was abysmal in those title games and some of those other ones. They they did not perform on big stage big stages well under Bob Bob Stoops. Now, if you go 0-3 in the playoff, Tom, I think it's fair then to raise question marks and concerns about what OU could do in the playoff at that point. To me, then uh, the noise is only going to get louder increase for years to come. You, you only make this harder on yourselves in the future if you lose this one. I think that's why it's so crucial to get this one. Even if you don't win the national championship, you got to get a playoff win here just to get one out of the way for the, the future of this program.
1: I mean, you would think so, but if you look at it, they, they faced the, the first year, they faced a good Clemson team, or no, the first year. Yeah, they
0: did face Clemson the first time.
1: Yeah, okay, and then, was that the was that the year, because they played Clemson back-to-back, it was the year...
0: Yeah, that was the year after, it was the year after they played them in the Champ Sports Bowl, this what that was the Orange Bowl.
1: That's right, okay, and so was it... The- and they got their butts kicked
0: in that game, that second half was abysmal. Oh,
1: okay, yeah, so... But the first game they played, didn't they just get absolutely blown out?
0: Yeah, yeah, they, they did, but that wasn't a playoff game.
1: Not okay, but the, the next year, was, it wasn't near as bad as that year. But still, you lose to a good Clemson team with, I believe, Deshaun Watson. Um, then you go on and play a Georgia team uh, in a game that is almost an instant classic, uh, if you don't call it that. It was close. And now you're facing Alabama. So, I mean, yeah, I get that if you go on three, it doesn't look good. But at the same time, the cards you're drawing are just, uh, you know, OU would beat Notre Dame. I really do think Uh, if if they draw that card. Or even Clemson, they would, I think, would be maybe a better matchup than Alabama just right out of the gate. Um, So, if they do lose, I mean, yeah, that is tough going you know, zero three, three years in a row, getting to the stage, the big stage, and then just absolutely losing it. Um, but to your point, when you have two highs in quarterbacks back to back years, you should lose or you should win at least one of those games.
0: You should, and especially last year, they blew that thirty-one seventeen halftime lead. Um, you know, if they're up thirty-one seventeen, I think people might be you know crossing their fingers a bit, saying, you know, hey, don't blow it this time. Uh, as far as that goes. Um, but when I, I look at, at this this matchup um, between OU and Alabama, I think, Tom, these are the two best teams. No disrespect to Clemson and Notre Dame. They are two fine football teams, and they deserve to be here. We got the four teams right as far as who deserves to be in the playoff. But I do think the winner of this game is going to be the one that wins the national title. I think these are the two best teams we have uh, on our hands here. And then given uh, you know a short week, for either Clemson or Notre Dame to prepare for OU or Alabama, I think it's going to be too much. I like the winner of this game to win it all.
1: No, oh, I completely agree. At that. I think this is, in a sense, the championship game. The now de
0: facto we, title game, yes.
1: Now we say that until uh, what was it two years ago, or yeah, Ohio State wins it and they were the four seed. So we say that, but I mean, uh, you. You know, you don't know unless the games are played, and that's why they're played. So, uh, But in my mind, this is the actual title game, Alabama versus OU. I think this game will get much better ratings than the actual national championship game.
0: Uh, I-, I wouldn't necessarily go that far, uh, but I do think no, that it...
1: I mean, I think this is going to be a better game than the national championship game. Is that
0: fair? Yeah, that's fair to say. That's fair to say, I think so, uh, as far as that goes. Thomas Bridges here with me. Here on the Jones Report right now, uh, another factor in this game as we continue to break it down, Tom, I think is the kicking game. And with with Alabama, they have two kickers that have question marks that people are have legit concerns over uh, as far as that goes. But then when you look at OU, I know Austin Seibert has had uh, you know a very good career at OU. Uh, you know he's you know his accuracy has been very high. But you look at what he's done in some of these big games, Tom. Um, you know he he missed a field goal in last year's uh, Rose Bowl that could have you know won him the game. He uh, also you know had that awful squib kick last year in the Rose Bowl. He also missed a kick in the Big Twelve Championship last year. Missed the game winner against Army this year. Uh, missed a kick against Ohio State on the road. I, I get it that Austin Cyber has is one of the most accurate kickers in the conference but historically speaking when it comes to a big stage Austin Seibert has faltered in some of those big moments uh I don't trust kickers on either side on on either team if it comes down to kickers uh, that's going to be a, a shame because uh, both these teams cannot rely on their kicking games
1: no not at all and, and maybe it comes to one extra point or you know that <laughs> man that gives me nightmares Um uh, but you know, it it might come down to that with, you know, the history of these, uh, you know, these kickers of, of what we've seen so far, it might come down to an extra point missed. It, it might be that close. I would not be surprised if that's what it would suck if it does come down to something like that, uh, but it very well might.
0: All right, we'll do our uh, picks against the spread later, but let's go ahead and pick uh, this game and the Cotton Bowl straight up, Tom. Uh, let's start out with that Cotton Bowl game, Clemson and Notre Dame. Uh, who, who do you like in uh, that matchup between those two teams?
1: You know, maybe uh, maybe I'm completely wrong. I feel like the majority here say Clemson, and then I feel like I'm part of the majority. I think Clemson uh, takes this one pretty easy.
0: Okay, well, give me a score.
1: Uh, Clemson, 41, Notre
0: Dame, 30. 41-30, okay. Uh, I think Trevor Lawrence and company is going to be too much. Uh, I, I like uh, Clemson as well uh, over Notre Dame. And I know that Notre Dame is a physical team, but I think that uh, even with the suspensions, you know, Clemson going to be without three guys, it looks like, due to uh, PEDs. Uh, they'll be too much. I think they're going to roll with this one. I'll, I'll go Clemson in this game 45 21. I think they'll take over in the second half and, and roll Notre Dame. OU and Alabama, Tom, I, I've been thinking about this game for a month now of who's going to win this matchup, and uh, I went back and forth on it, but i, I, I got to go with Alabama. I, I I do. I think that in this case, you learn not to bet against Nick Saban. I think that OU is going to put up a fight, and it'll be a close game, but I'll, I'll go Alabama in a close one. 48-41 tied over the Sooners. Who you got?
1: Now, just for – okay, so the spread is 14. We can do that later. But straight up, I have to I have to go with Alabama, too. I have to. Um, I've learned, like you said, not to pick against Nick Saban and not to say oh, OU can't do it because i very – I mean
0: if- – Oh, yeah. With me picking Alabama to win 48-41, I'm not closing the door. I think OU is very capable of winning this game if they play their best – But I'm not counting against Alabama. This is not necessarily picking against OU. It's more so I'm more confident in what I've seen from Alabama.
1: That's fair. I'm in the same way. I'm going to go Alabama 45-41.
0: Close. Close game. We both think it's going to be close. I think this is the better of the two games, and we're in for a treat come uh, Saturday when uh, these teams go ahead, go head-to-head in the uh, national semifinals. We'll continue to break down this game and uh, the others as uh, we're going to be joined by Zach Robinson of Pro Football Focus. The uh, former Oklahoma State quarterback has got some insights on this. Also a breakdown of Patrick Mahomes and Matt Reynolds has an update on uh, what's going on down in Miami and uh, we'll continue to uh, talk about this Orange Bowl and uh, the playoff with him uh, coming up in uh, just a few moments from right now. Coming up next, Zach Robinson and Matt Reynolds join us next right here on the Jones Report. At this time, ladies and gentlemen, we welcome into the program former Oklahoma State quarterback now working with Pro Football Focus. It is Zach Robinson who joins us right now. Zach, welcome in, man. What's uh, What's been happening with you uh, since uh, your days at Oklahoma State now?
2: Man, uh, just still in the football world here. Uh, like you said, working with Pro Football Focus, and then I kind of uh, train college guys and NFL guys quarterback-wise uh, and work with some guys, you know, leading up to the NFL draft and the combine and that that whole process. So, uh, very much, you know, could not wait from the game here. So, uh,
0: it's been all good. That's cool. Uh, I imagine that was big for you to, uh, since your playing days ended, to still find a way to be a part and also to to give back a little bit too, pass along your wisdom a little bit.
2: Yeah, sure. No, I, I you know, for a long time, I I thought about going into coaching and then kind of. Uh, you know, this pro football focus opportunity came up and I was able to kind of coach guys as well. So uh, that that's the most fun part is just kind of, you know, pass along things I've been able to, to learn from a, a ton of great guys at the college level, NFL level, and a, a ton of great coaches. So uh, being able to just pass along any any tidbit uh, that I learned along the way is, is kind of what it's all about.
0: Now tell me about this uh, pro football focus deal. Uh, Chris Collinsworth obviously is – Big with that, and some of these others. Uh, I mean, that's really just taken off the last few years. The the stuff you guys are doing there at, at PFF.
2: It's been good. You know, it's uh, you know a data company. We provide data for you know all the NFL teams, and then uh, around fifty of the college teams. And uh, then there's the consumer side, which most people see, where there's uh, you know tons of detailed stats and and stuff you really can't get anywhere else. So there's uh, they, they've got a great process, man. I was happy to, to get on board and kind of. Uh, help out any way that I could and, uh, but yeah, it's it's a cool deal. You know, there's any, any time you can get more and more data on, uh, on things and give people more information to make better and smarter decisions. Uh, you know you can't go wrong, so it's been uh, it's
0: been really cool. And, and one of the things I've been following real closely is that you've been doing a lot of stuff uh, looking at Patrick Mahomes in particular, the uh, Chiefs quarterback who's uh, you know on his way to the Pro Bowl, possibly one of the you know, possibly could win this MVP award uh, week to week. It's it's just been so impressive. But one of the things I noticed was that you went back and looked at his film. This has been stuff he's been doing forever. Uh, back to his Texas Tech days, he made plays like what he's making right now.
2: He's unbelievable, and, and uh, you know, when, when I studied him coming out of school, uh, it was almost like get your popcorn ready every single time, every single game that you threw on. You knew there was going to be something that he did uh, that you really had never seen before. And as a former, you know, QB, you, you talk to other quarterbacks and uh, about what they think of other quarterbacks coming out. And uh, Man, I, I honestly had never seen a guy like him uh, in my years of just being around QBs and watching other quarterbacks. Uh, the, you know the, the arm talent, the ability. You know we saw him drop that one down against the Seahawks the other night, where he's you know dropping it down like a shortstop. Every you know every arm angle, arm talent, uh, and then just the, the instincts and the ability to, to see things uh, is, is, is unbelievable. I don't think there's been a guy like him ever. Uh, just in terms of what he can uh, see and, and instincts and feel, all that stuff you just can't you can't coach. And then you match that with the best arm that. Uh, you know, arguably that that we've seen too. It, it's uh, it's a pretty special match, and uh, man, he's been he's been incredible to watch.
0: Does it surprise you at all what he's done in his first year as a as a starter with the the Chiefs this year?
2: You know, I, I thought to say that he would be you know leading MVP candidate and all that stuff. I mean, I, I, nobody would would guess that. Uh, you know, you you thought that he would have some success and be a, a really good player, but to, to take off like he's done. Um, has been awesome. I think you know the, the decision making in college was kind of the you know everybody's he's playing too much backyard ball and all that stuff and it didn't bother me as much just because you look at how historically bad there how how bad there was how bad their defense was uh, in history and, and then really the, a lot of three man rush in college football that you kind of forced to play off script more often than not so but I did think that there with all that said I did think there was going to be maybe some more decisions. Uh, you know, poor decisions throughout the course of a game, and, and he's been able to take take care of the football, uh, make all the big throws, and, and uh, just kind of hone his game in a little bit from what it was in college because there was, you know, so much of that outside of structure and, uh, you know, some forced throws due to that they had to score pretty much every time they took the field. So uh, you can kind of look at it in a, in a number of ways, but he definitely has done a great job of just taking care of the ball.
0: What what's the next step you think for Patrick Mahomes on this trajectory? What are some of the things that you look at and say that, hey, you know he already does these things well, but now he needs to take another step to get better at? I mean, because I mean it's been a great year obviously for for what he's done, but uh, there's always room for improvement. What are some of those things that stand out to you? What he could still uh, improve on?
2: Yeah, I, I think you know we love him when he when he gets outside the pocket. He's you know he's the best in the NFL at doing all that stuff. I think if he can just continue to know. When he can, uh, you know, when he can take a check down, when he can stay in the pocket and maybe get to that next read, um, you know, I, I think that's the, the the next step that he can take. You know, to have sustained success in the NFL, it's, it's the games played from the pocket, and he's been great from the pocket. There's just times where he can he can definitely maybe hang in there, uh, count uh, count longer, and that's going to help him health wise. You know, in the long run, not taking too many shots outside the pocket, but. Uh, you don't want to take away his Stinger too much, man. You, you want to let him just play ball because I think that's the best thing about him is he looks like he's just out there playing ball. It's, you know, he's making calculated decisions, but it's just, he's such a great athlete and, and he's just, uh, playing like he would be playing in the backyard, you know, with his buddies when he's 10 years old. So you don't want to take too much away from that, but, uh, you know, there's times where he can definitely hang in there just a little bit longer.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that front, for, for sure. Zach Robinson joining us here on the Jones Report right now. Zach, uh, when, when you look at Mahomes and, and what he's done uh, to this point in his career, wh- where do you think he goes next? Do, do we see a, a year where he next year where he builds from this, or do you think that uh, we're, we're looking at maybe even a step down? I mean, it's going to be hard for him to do this again, to replicate this success uh, next year.
2: Sure, Yeah. I mean statistically and everything he's done how many touchdown passes and, and the yards everything you, you would think there'd be some regression there um, but you could see a statistical regression and he might actually become a better player you know just stat wise with the yards at the catch and um, you know with some of these guys obviously Tyreek and Travis Kelsey they've been able to remain pretty healthy so um, I think that would be the, the biggest thing is um, you know, if it does, if they do have a bunch of injuries on the O-line, they've had a few this year, but if there was, you know, some injuries to Kelsey and other guys, can he just take this thing over still on his own? And I, I think he can, but um, shoot, to say that he's going to have just these statistical seasons over and over, that'd be tough to sustain for anybody, but uh, man, there's there's not a whole lot of holes to his game, so you just, uh you know, it, it's nitpicking at this point in, in terms of Uh, you know, I I think he's just going to be a top five guy year in and year out. There might be some some years that he has a few more turnovers and forces a few more throws. But, um, shoot, the the bottom line is that guy, uh, when the ball is in his hands, you know he's going to make a play and and, uh, you're going to win a ton of games.
0: We know that Andy Reed is known as a, a quarterback guru, quarterback whisperer of sorts. How much has Andy Reed and that offense that Eric B and and all that has put together been a big part of uh, of Mahomes' success this year?
2: Yeah, it's been a huge part. You know, Andy Reid just understands the quarterback's strengths and weaknesses so well and um, you know, how how they've been able to well first of all, be able to, to let, you know, Mahomes sit last year and, and kinda just learn from from Alex Smith and everything and um, and then just get the familiarity with the, the the verbiage, you know, obviously it was a huge step from from Texas Tech, but um, gosh, I mean, the, the things that he does just, he's a very, obviously, you know, Mahomes is great at the RPO game, they run as many RPOs as anybody in the NFL, and then the downfield passing, you know, play-action game is, is always great, so uh, and then you mix, mix in the move-the-pocket bootlegs, so, I mean, he just plays to his strengths every single game, they always scheme up a few open throws, and then, uh, Mahomes makes, makes plays when he needs to on a third and eight and he scrambles around and, and makes a play. So, uh, it is a perfect match in, in terms of
0: all that. Yeah. Uh, it, it appears to be no doubt, uh, about that. When, when you look at ahead to this playoff run, you know, obviously they got this game against Oakland and then if they win that, uh, they would be the number one seed going into the AFC and, you know, headed, uh, to have home field advantage, of course, throughout the, uh, the playoffs, uh, if things set up that way. What do you think would be a successful finish to this year for Patrick Mahomes? Uh, is it is it just winning a playoff game or two? Is it getting to the Super Bowl? What would you consider to be a successful finish for Patrick Mahomes uh for this season, Zach?
2: Gosh, I think you know if they are able to lock down home field advantage, they I mean they got to be thinking that anything less than getting to the Super Bowl would be a disappointment as crazy as that that is. It's um you know, we, he's just played so well all season. He hasn't had really any clunker games uh, where he's been at the, you know, the fault of, of a loss or anything. So, shoot, I mean, with the way this team is rolling, with the way it's set up, I, I think if they don't get to the Super Bowl, they would they would all be pretty disappointed. Uh, but, yeah, you can you can see them making some serious noise, especially, I mean, as you know, man, the Kansas City uh, at Arrowhead, the playoff atmosphere, uh, any team coming in there. I mean, shoot, they're going to be expected to win all of them. And so, uh, man, I, I think they got to get, I think they're going to get to the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah. That would be awesome if they do. I uh, would love to be down there and see it all unfold, but it's going to be interesting to see how these next uh, couple of weeks play out. Zach, uh, I know you keep an eye on that, uh, on the college football game as well. What do you make of uh, this uh, playoff this year? These, uh, these four teams that are in, uh, what, what, what's your thoughts on uh, these playoff semifinals, these two matchups? You
2: know, and at least make this thing uh, close you, you're wondering how they're going to stop on the other side of the football how they're going to stop those four receivers and the tight end and uh, you know obviously two has had an unbelievable season so uh, you know you're expecting a track meet you want to you hope that OU's just got enough to keep this thing close and then maybe they get a couple turnovers and, and you never know what could happen late in the game but um, I'm definitely you know that's, I'm, I'm fired up to see Kyler Murray in that environment. I mean shoot, i I'm one that wants to see him go to the NFL and, and try it out so seeing him against Bama, they've you know notoriously struggled against kind of some mobile uh scramble quarterbacks and um you know I'm fired up to see that and then I think Ian book is is the most interesting of of all of these in terms of uh you know there there not many people are expecting them to win Clemson's so talented up front. Uh, but he's a pretty crafty guy, and he can make plays outside the pocket. I mean, he's going to need to play an absolute perfect game. But I uh, kind of got you know an eye on him just in terms of uh, somebody that's going to need to to raise their level uh, of their game in, in order to to make this thing uh, you know interesting and, and win the game ultimately. But um, shoot, you know the, the Bama Clemson matchup looks like it's destined to happen, but. Uh, I'm hoping kind of you know Ian book and, and Notre Dame can can make some noise there
0: you, you mentioned Kyler Murray and some of the evaluations you've done and everything I, I know that he is a bit undersized for his position you know he's even three inches shorter than Baker Mayfield is uh, do, do you think he can play at the next level can that translate I'm I, I personally I'm not concerned about the way he plays the game at all I think it's just if is a matter of if his body can hold up or not because uh, it looks like all the intangibles are there it's just a matter of his body what what are your evaluations on, on him, Zach?
2: Uh, man, I'm with you. I, I'm not going to be the one to, to doubt that that guy can't do it. You know, he's been so successful in high school, everywhere he's been at Oklahoma now. And, and uh, shoot, I mean, he's got he's got the arm. He's got the instincts. He sees the field well. Uh, the athleticism to kind of buy time and create space for himself in the pocket, I think will offset some of the, the height stuff and, uh, you know, how he plays on the move and all that stuff we see. So many guys in the NFL that that's that's their game. You know, they they play on the move a bunch and and they make the throws that they need to from the pocket, and then they just make plays. So I I would say, shoot, if I'm a, if I'm a team looking at this draft class, especially, uh, you know, obviously Justin Herbert's coming back. You got Daniel Jones, probably Drew Lock, uh, you know, Jared Stidham. He, he's better than all those guys. He's a better football player than all those guys. So I would feel very comfortable taking him in the first second round. I, I don't know how high, but uh he's definitely a guy to take a chance on and see uh you know see what he's got because he he's so talented across the book and uh
0: across the board and, and uh
2: definitely can do it
0: yeah it would be fun to see if he can he can play that and zach you are quite the athlete i mean you you see what he could do on the football field and the fact that he can play baseball as you evaluate are, are we uh, starting to see more more athletes at that quarterback position again because for for it seemed like for years that we were getting so many sports specific guys you see a guy like Kyler Murray and some of these others man i I would just love to see more athletes at the position do, do you think we could be seeing more of that in the future more like what Kyler Murray is more of those guys play in that position
2: I, I'm with you you know I, I'm, I think that the the day of the pocket passer in the NFL is is almost insane you know, extinct. You know, you look at Tom Brady, Matt Ryan, some of these guys that, uh, you know, the big pocket passers. But they're still pretty nimble and athletic in the pocket. Um, you know, but but the the athletic passer with with how athletic the fronts are, the defensive line is is far ahead of the offensive line. You're playing under pressure, thirty five percent and forty percent of the time you're dropping back to throw. So you got to have a guy that can make the first guy miss in the pocket and is able to kind of. Have the instincts to move around and create some space. So, uh, man, I'm with you. The, the guys that, the more guys that play a ton of sports and, and they're exposed to, to all the different, you know, scenarios, whether it's basketball on the basketball court and, you know, how they play in space and those types of things. Uh, I'm with you. I'm, I'm all about the, you know, the athletic guy that can extend the play and, and get away from these pass rushers. Cause, uh, as you know, these, these guys are, uh, some of these guys up front defensive tackles, Aaron Donalds, all these guys are, are unbelievable, so uh, I'm with you, man. The athletic guy, I think uh, is definitely the way to go.
0: Well, and, and just a few years ago, the league was so dependent on pocket quarterbacks, and that seemed to be what you know every team was looking for. A guy like Baker Mayfield probably isn't picked in the first round in, in previous drafts with the way the league was just even a few years ago.
2: Yeah, sure. No, I, I'm with you. I mean, it, they've, they've kind of been open more to you know, we're seeing the offensive change, and, um, for the longest time, it was a, you know, you wanted the pocket passer that could go from one to two to three, the pure progression passers. There's not many concepts now that you're truly requiring your quarterback to go from one to two to three to four, all the way across the field, because number one, there's not that much time to get that done, but, uh, you know, you just, you're playing on the move out, out, out past your second read, so. Um, I'm with you. These guys like like a Baker and and Kyler Murray. Uh, they're, they're the most intriguing. And, and the bottom line is, is, when you watch these guys play, and, and you feel the same way as, uh, you feel like they're going to make a play every single time, whether it's a third or seven, and uh, they got to break the pocket and make something happen. So uh, you don't always get that with a pocket passer. So uh, there's definitely been a shift with offenses and, and uh, definitely with these QBs.
0: Well, and 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 it seems like Zach. That I mean, you look at. You know whether it's college football. You know OU is a good example of this. The Chiefs, are right there in the NFL. Yes, it's great to have good, de- you know, good defense. You'll take it if you can get it. But with with how, how high power these offenses are and scoring so quickly, you can get away with uh, with some average or below average defenses that you may not have been otherwise with as explosive as these offenses are right now. No,
2: absolutely. I mean defenses. Uh, it's hard to sustain a, a level of play of, of defense of continuously shutting these guys down and holding them to under, you know, 20 points and whatnot. So, uh, man, you, you gotta play fast with tempo. You gotta stay the aggressor. That's what all these successful offenses are. They, uh, they're the aggressor. They want to come out. They want to throw to get ahead and then let their defense kind of settle in and get the pass rush going, uh, where they might give up some yards, but they, you know, can buckle down the old Patriot way, buckle down the red zone. So, um, i'm with you it's definitely uh you know a league where you you got to score points and, and if you're relying on your defense every single week uh it's hard just because the schemes are so good offensively and there's uh you can break a game open at any point
0: zach uh you still keeping tabs with uh mike gundy how's uh, how, how's things with uh with oklahoma state and everything with 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 you these days
2: yeah, no, it's great. I I, I was back there. Uh, you know, I trained Mason Rudolph last spring for uh, you know the, the combine and all that. So I got to go back and and see those guys for his pro day and and still still remain in touch with with them. The offensive staffs, you know, pretty much entirely different, but I had had a good relationship with with Mike Yursich over the past few years and and some of those guys uh there but yeah it's great every time I get a chance to go back it's always a blast have to make it back to a game this season but uh man I still still keep in contact with those guys and there's uh you know still a lot of great people in that building
0: you mentioned Mason I know that he's backing up Big Ben this year you know I mean a, a future Hall of Famer but uh when his time comes uh, what, what do you think of Mason how's uh how, how's he gonna fare once he uh, gets an opportunity to possibly starting in this league
2: man he's got a great shot you know he's a uh, number one is he's got the discipline and and the uh, kind of day-to-day process that it takes to be a starter in the NFL and, and he he understands the preparation the work all those things he's already got that down before he was a rookie which is which is incredible to see and uh, and then you know arm wise he's got the arm he's got a great feel for the pocket um, he can do a lot of things that that offense is set up I think pretty similarly to Oklahoma State they got uh, RPO game, they get the ball out quick and quick game, and then you know we, we see Big Ben take so many shots down the field. So I think uh, whenever that time does come, it it could be a smooth transition for him. And uh, and obviously, you know, I'm rooting for him to be the guy. I think he's he's definitely got what it takes.
0: And, and so cool for him and James Washington to be together too. That's uh, that's outstanding as oh, well. Man. No doubt,
2: that's awesome. They're, I mean, great buddies, and and uh, you know, I think they've roommated on the road together and all that stuff. So uh, yeah, it's gonna be fun if. You know, James picks up his level, and, and they got Antonio Brown and Judy Smith. So uh, this thing could be set up pretty good for Mason in the future.
0: I hope so. I, I want to see him succeed and see him do well. Zach, uh, we're out of time. Appreciate you joining us, man. Uh, what, you're doing so well with this and doing well with the talent, talent evaluating. Uh, could could we possibly see you maybe uh, in the sidelines in the future of some sorts?
1: Man, I, you know,
2: I, I wouldn't. Rule it out. I'm, I'm definitely happy with with what we're doing here at Pro Football Focus and everything. But um, shoot, you never want to never want to close those doors. I always have that competitive itch to kind of uh, be a part of a team and, and those types of things. So uh, shoot, never never know. But definitely happy with uh, you know with what's going on right now.
0: Well, that's awesome. He's uh, Zach Robinson, former Oklahoma State quarterback with Pro Football Focus. Zach, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, man. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me. At this time, ladies and gentlemen, we welcome into the Jones Report. He's live from the Orange Bowl in Miami, Florida. It is uh, Matt Reynolds, CBS Sports Radio in Oklahoma City. Also with a Prep Hoops, he joins us right now. Matt, set the scene for us. How are things down there in South Beach? Well,
3: it's all, I'll call it ankle watch. Not beach watching in Miami, it's ankle watch. To talk of Tagovailoa's ankle, Marquise Brown's ankle. How healthy are they? That's what everybody's uh, trying to figure out down here as we get inching closer to this game. Uh, that you know, today was media day, so we got some really good sound bites, especially one from one Quinnen Williams. Let's uh, let something out of the bag. I don't think he really needed to, but hey, it makes <laughs> it for better uh, you know, leading up to the game.
0: Hey, that, that always works out for us. We'll take it uh, as far as that goes. Uh, it, no doubt about that. Uh, the, Yeah, the injuries, and then uh, Kyler Murray missed uh, media day yesterday due to an illness. He did practice. He did show up the next day. Uh, How's how's he look as far as that goes? Uh, I I know he'd returned and everything, but what's uh, what's his status look like right now?
3: He's fine, Tyler. I don't think he really even was sick. I honestly just think it was, quite frankly, he did not want to talk to the media. He's talked to us a bunch, of course, all year long, and uh, I think it just came down to, he, he had media fatigue. He, he actually wasn't even on the schedule. That's what's kind of funny about the whole situation. It blew up, of course, because it was put on social media, but it wasn't ever on the schedule, at least that I saw. And so I don't think there was actually a big change. I think somebody just asked, hey, why wasn't Kyler here? And that was the uh, reason, obviously, they were given. But he's fine. OU fans have uh, nothing to worry about on that end. Uh, he, he's fully healthy. I, he's practiced the last two days. Just actually saw him. Here about 10 minutes ago uh, in our final practice uh, session.
0: Okay, great. So it's not like a Baker Mayfield situation last year.
3: No, Baker was sick. Baker was legitimately sick, and you could tell when you talked to him. Uh, in interviewing Kyler today, and even in watching them practice, maybe he has like a cold or something, very slight, but you couldn't even tell in his voice. So he sounded normal, sounded like Kyler, and I, I don't see any reason, uh, like I said, to even – It's a non-story at this
0: point, I think. Okay, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. You know, going into these situations in the past, Matt, when you had, you know, the long layoff, it was money for Nick Saban teams because he would have a month to prepare for that opponent, and, you know, his record has shown how good that's been with that month to prepare. If anything, I would think, and maybe I'm overthinking this, you tell me what you think, Matt. I, I would say OU probably has an edge as far as this preparation time goes because, that defense finally gets to rest, and they get to try out new things, see what works. I mean, there's nowhere to really go but up from here for this defense. I, I would say that that time off uh, was certainly a huge uh, – I would give them an advantage to OU compared to Alabama with that time off, but ultimately we'll find out how uh, eventually how it all plays out, per se. That's an interesting uh, statement. I like that,
3: actually. I, I think that makes a lot of sense this particular year because, yes, as Nick said, we're going to throw some things at OU's offense? And I think OU's offense may be underestimating Alabama's defense a little bit. Maybe not. You know, I I don't know how much some of it's just coach talk or player talk, you know, as they just give their lines that they're supposed to give. But I I do think that it benefits Oklahoma more because uh, when you look at what they were able to do against Georgia last year, I just don't have a big worry that this offense is going to just all of a sudden stall out. Last year they toasted Georgia in the first half. Played a little conservative in the second half, but still put up a ton of points. And I think this year you're going to see something similar to that, Tyler. I really do. Uh, the the side that everybody's got to worry about uh, is the defense. Can they hold up for Oklahoma? And that is not going to be quite – it's not going to be answered. It just isn't. But time can't help. I mean, time can't hurt. Uh, it, all it can do is help you at this point if you're always defense. So I, I think your thought there is uh, a very smart and correct one.
0: On OU's side of things, you know, the way that they're looking at it for their defense is nobody believes they're going to be shutting Alabama down by any means. The goal for this defense, Matt, I would imagine is just to get a couple stops and a couple turnovers, not uh, try to you know put out a, a shutout or <laughs> performance by any means, but just to do enough to let the offense continue to, to do what it does best.
3: Exactly. And I think part of it for the defense, I've been saying this all week, I think it comes down, if the defense is going to be successful for OU, it's going to be because OU's offense can run the ball and take some time off the clock. They need to limit very far to the game plan with Texas the second time, limit them as, possible as far as the possessions they get, because then it makes it a little easier for OU's defense. If OU's defense can get, per se, four stops out of ten, it doesn't sound great, but hey, that's, that's a, a solid outing for this defense against a very good offense in Alabama. Uh, you know, and maybe some of those are field goals and you're able to, you know, get them around that 35 range. If you hold Alabama anywhere below 40 points, I think it's a massive win for this defense. But I do think it's going to be on Oklahoma's offense to help those guys out. And I'm not saying you don't score if you have a wide open lane to score, go score. But at the same time, run the ball, take some time off the clock, which, uh, you know, hey, that brings us to the best matchup of the game. OU's offensive line, number one in the country versus Alabama's top defensive line. and That's going to be a fun and tricky matchup to watch all
0: day. Matt Reynolds joining us here on the Jones Report right now. Matt, uh, Tua, he said he's at about 80%, and ultimately he did have to come out of that SEC championship game. He didn't look like the same quarterback at all in that SEC title game compared to what we saw all season long. Uh, How's he looked, and what's uh, been the talk around Miami uh, about Tua going into this game?
3: get. He's going to get 80, 85%. If you're an Alabama fan, I I don't know if I worry a whole bunch about this game, but if he happens to nick it, you got to think about it. The turnaround's pretty short to that national championship game. So I think the only question I have, he's going to play, he's going to give it a go, is if OU gets pressure, does it get hurt again? Because And doing some research on this procedure, and I'm no doctor by any means, but basically what I've learned is he's probably going to have another procedure after the season this is kind of just like a little fix it thing at this point the best they can do so he can get out there and play Manziel fest, not saying he's Johnny Manziel by any stretch, but he can move, and any quarterback that can run has always given the Sooners defense
0: so Can't so of trouble. So here's a question for you, Matt. If you're OU, would you rather face an 80% Tua or a healthy Jalen Hurts? Who, who's the better matchup for the Sooners, you think?
3: Personally, i say Tua, and that may be just because I'm, I've seen him against that Georgia defense that I've obviously much better than use, and I just got to see him come down to earth. Maybe that's why. But I just I don't like Oklahoma's chances with a running quarterback. I never have, and I'm not saying Jalen Hurts is the end all be all, but he is a pretty dang good quarterback. We forget he's only lost two games. He's won twenty, twenty six and two. And if you want to throw the Georgia one on top of that, he's really twenty seven and two. As he obviously was the key orchestrator and them coming back to win that game. So uh, it, it's an interesting question, but ultimately, if two was one hundred percent, I would probably go with of course you want to see Jalen, but he's not. He is 80-85%, which who knows, Maybe that's what they're saying. That could mean 70-75, that could also mean he's actually 90 or 95. Uh, it's just all speculation at this point.
0: Matt Reynolds of CBS Sports in Oklahoma City joining us here on the Jones Report right now. Matt, uh, for, for OU going up against this Alabama defense, we've heard about how great this Alabama defense is all season long. In everything, uh, what what do you make of this uh, this matchup for for OU to deal with? Uh, I mean, they haven't seen a, a defense like they're about to see against Alabama. But so far all year long, they have uh, stood up for every challenge that's been uh, been put on them this season, and no matter who they played, that uh, OU offense has been up for the fight. I might be wrong
3: in saying this. Uh, who knows? I may look really silly at the end of Saturday night, but. I tend to just have great confidence in the fact that, you know what, last year, OU didn't play anybody of great defense in the regular season either. But guess what? They put up a ton of points against uh, one was the top five defense in Georgia before they played OU. They were knocked out of the top five after they played OU because OU put up so uh, many numbers, obviously, on that defense. I think that's where I, I just kind of have them penciled in as they're going to score 35, 40 points, maybe even into the 50s. And that sounds crazy to some, but we've been able to see OU have success against the SEC, especially in bowl games in recent years, uh, Auburn, Georgia, and uh, we'll see what they do. Uh, Of course, they had Alabama several years back with Trevor Knight. So I I don't know if they can duplicate it for sure, but that's what gives me confidence that OU doesn't really have much to worry about. For me, it comes down to are they forced to do it one-dimensional? Because if they can't run the ball, even if OU's scoring, that changes the game a lot because, like I was saying earlier, your
0: possessions would you know, grow uh, many times over. Matt, uh, I don't know about you, I, I feel like the winner of this game is going to be the one who wins the national championship uh, come uh, on January 7th, uh, no matter who they play, whether it's Clemson or Notre Dame, either one. I think we have the two best teams in this matchup here. But, as you mentioned, that is a quick turnaround. Uh, you, you get by this one. Whoever wins uh, is going to have you know a tough game on their hands. And then the next week, they play a very good team, whether that be Clemson or Notre Dame, either one. Um, this, is, this is a challenge going through these next two weeks for whoever is uh, going to be the one that to come out on top.
3: It is, and, and I would echo what you just said as well. Uh, no knock against Notre Dame or Clemson. I think those are two obviously good teams. Right? I think the winner out of this game is going to win it all. Uh, the only way I think I would change my mind is if, say, a Tua goes down very early in this game, but Alabama is still able to win. That may uh, that may change it a little bit, but I think right now, with the way things are, that either Alabama or Oklahoma is your national champion at the end.
0: Matt, uh, give me a give me a pick. How does this uh, this game go down? This uh, this OU Alabama game.
3: Oh man, this is my first pick on this one. Uh, it's a fourteen point line. I think OU definitely covers. Um, I've gone back and forth on this thing all. Week long. I thought I would pick OU, but the closer I get to it, I just, I'm not sure. I, I will go 45 42. OU winning the game. Here's why I think OU has one major advantage that no one's looking at in this game. It's in the kicking department. Austin Seibert, I think, wins the game for Oklahoma at some point with his uh, kicking expertise, and I think Alabama's kickers, or kickers, we may see multiple. I think they end up costing the tide in this game with
0: maybe a missed field goal or two. See, here's where I would disagree with you on that is you look at what Seibert has done in some of these big games. I know that he's very accurate based on statistically, but, you know, he had that awful squib kick last year in the, in the Rose Bowl and that missed field goal in overtime. He had, you know, a missed field goal against Army that could have won it for him. Uh, missed a field goal in the Big 12 championship last year. To me, it looks like, if you look down the line, Matt, that he struggled in some of the biggest moments of his career.
3: He has. He has, and I will give you that. But, I don't know, call me crazy. I, I think he's able to do it. And part of the reason why I think he's able to do it, I don't think he's going to be asked to kick some really long kick. I think if he's kicking, it's going to be a short kick within 40 yards. Uh, just, I think Lincoln Riley is not going to put his kick. He knows that. I don't think Lincoln Riley doesn't put his kicker in a bad spot, uh, so maybe, maybe the jinx gets him again. But I, I think he ends up being a hero uh, in this one here on Saturday.
0: Maybe so. Maybe so. Maybe you're onto something there, Matt. Matt, working, people connect with you. I know that you're going to have a ton of content the next couple of days, whether it's on your radio show or on social media and all that. You'll be all over Miami. Uh, throughout the next couple of days and then if OU makes it you'll uh, you'll be going cross country to San Francisco right afterwards
3: certainly you can follow me uh, the easiest way to do it is just at Matt Reynolds and then it's three underscores after my name so very simple follow and uh, that, I will keep you in the loop as much as possible and like you said yeah who knows maybe we're headed to San Francisco uh, here very shortly
0: maybe so sounds like a great time Matt appreciate the top. thanks for joining us man enjoy uh, Miami And uh, we'll talk to you down the line. Thanks, Tom. We'll do it. Big thanks to Zach Robinson and Matt Reynolds for joining us here on the Jones Report today. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges, back here with you now. Tom, we usually say going into the NFL postseason that you want to be playing your best ball this time of the year. That the team that rides in with momentum is going to show up and play uh, when it comes, you know, January, that, that if you're playing well in December, usually that translates to January. The thing is, though, no one is playing well right now in the National Football League as far as the contenders go. And the Kansas City Chiefs are definitely included in that. When you look at those top teams, they have all had their flaws within recent weeks. The, the best of that group is probably the New Orleans Saints, and yet they probably should have lost the Steelers. They didn't look good against Carolina, and they laid an egg against the Dallas Cowboys. Right now, it looks like there are a lot of vulnerable teams. There aren't any clear-cut-out out favorites as we head into this final week of the regular season and ultimately into the postseason.
1: Yeah, there's not really any clear-cut teams at all. I mean, it's like every major playoff team has laid an egg in the past two weeks, besides like maybe the Chicago Bears. Um. So that I mean, it's tough to say, and especially in every other year, we pretty much have a clear cut. We know who it's going to be, and this year is just you know you get one of these years every now and then where it's just uh, you know this is just such a toss up. It could literally go any which way, um, and that's just the year. It's, it's really it's this year. It's been really after I would say the ninth like week nine, I feel like that's how the rest of the season
0: has gone. If you're the Chiefs, um, you, you got to feel, uh, I imagine, a lot better about yourselves considering that everyone else has been that same way too. The, the Chiefs lose one of the Seahawks in a close game, that the Seahawks play better than them all game long. The Chargers game that, they let that one slip away. And now they're sitting at 12, you know, they're sitting at 11 wins trying to go for number 12 Uh, in their scenario. If the Chiefs still end up, you know, if they beat the Raiders, they still win the division, they still get the number one overall seed, and still get that first round bye if they're able to uh, pull off that win against the Raiders. If you're the Chiefs considering that you have not played your best ball in the last two weeks and you are still in position to get those things, you you feel okay. You feel fine about yourselves, I imagine, because you know that you've, you've not played your best, but yet you're still going to get the reward if you could simply take care of the Raiders this weekend.
1: Yeah, and I think they will. And, uh, you know, they had the champ against, uh, against the Seahawks. They should have come out and played, you know, played a lot better. Like I said before on the last last week's show, it's hard to win uh, in Seattle. I did think the Chiefs are going to get it done, and uh, we both kind of got proved wrong there, but... Uh, I, I think they go ahead and take care of the Raiders uh, and secure that home field. But you know, the Raiders are one of those teams that I think John Gruden would just try to—he wouldn't try to lay down and just take the beating or take it, take it head on. He would just—I think—he would try to play spoiler. So I mean, it's still important for the Chiefs. They need to come out and be focused and not expect the Raiders to tank or lay down for a, a lesser pick. Um, I mean, they have to come out and, and you know, this kind of, kind of like a, I don't know what you would call it. I mean, it's a, it's an important game for the Chiefs, but at the same time, it's an exhibition to kind of figure out any other kinks they need to figure out before they get, uh, you know, a bye week and then hopefully home field in the playoffs. Um, so definitely going to have to work out any kinks they might have, especially because they haven't been playing great as late. So. Uh, they're lucky it's the Raiders and not, I don't know, another team that's fighting for
0: playoff positioning. I'll say this with the Chiefs, though, in their circumstance. Yes, I do believe that they're okay if they do pull off this win against the Raiders in their playoff positioning where they put themselves. But if they do lose, if they fall that five seed, if they do come in losing three straight – and do not win the division, and do not have home field, then I'm done with the Chiefs. I'm writing them off. I mean, this is a must-win game for the Kansas City Chiefs going up against the Oakland Raiders. I know that all these teams right now are not playing their best ball, but you can can be done with a team that goes in on a three-game losing streak and falls to a wild card. That's a team you can write off. You can't write off the Chiefs right now, but you can if they give this one away to Oakland.
1: Almost oh, most definitely, and it's not to say they would lose the wild card game, um, but to not have home field going in and playing another team, or potentially having to go to, let's say, they ended up having to play like a New England, or you know, even going to LA to play the Chargers. Uh, I mean, just home field is so crucial for uh, Kansas City, almost in the way that home field's crucial to Seattle.
0: Yeah, it is. It, it it's it's crucial for this Kansas City team to, to have home field. Now, they haven't won a home playoff game in, in URI's lifetime, but that doesn't change the fact that they still need to be at home uh, as much as they can uh, if they get the opportunity to do so. But I think against Oakland, they should take care of business, but if they don't, then uh, there's going to be a problem. As far as the rest of the AFC shapes out at this point, Tom, uh, Houston, they're at that number 2 seed. New England's there at 3. The 4 seed belongs to Baltimore right now. And the Steelers all of a sudden went from leading this division almost all year long to now being on the outside looking in. And if the Steelers win and the Ravens lose to the Browns, then the Steelers are in, the Ravens are out. A win and the Ravens are in at this point. I'll say this. The Ravens, where they didn't luck out in this situation, Tom, is the opponent they're they're facing with the Browns. And I know that sounds weird to say, but the Browns have treated... Every game this season, as if it matters, as if it's important, Baker Mayfield, they were screaming his name in the stadium last week. He said that they're not letting up. They're still playing hard all the way to the end. They got a quarterback that they want to play for in everything. If there's one team that's out of the playoff picture that you do not want to face, it's the Cleveland Browns right now, and they already lost to the Cleveland Browns once. Um, I, I'm not even saying that the Browns are going to go in there and win, but this is worst case scenario for Baltimore that they do have to face Cleveland uh, on this final week of the regular season uh, in this circumstance. This is not a team that you want to face right now.
1: Maybe not. And I will agree that they are the, as far as like non-playoff teams or teams that don't have a chance to make the playoffs, the league team you want to play. Uh, but at the same time, Baltimore is at home. Uh, and I think Baltimore has been playing really good. Hell, they, they about beat the Chiefs at home a couple of weeks ago. I'm, You know, if we had to pick this game, I would go ahead. I guess we will have to, so I'll save the pick. Um, But Baltimore is playing really, really, really well. But for the sake of being competitive, uh, there's probably, among those rosters, there's nobody more competitive uh, than Baker Mayfield. And and Baker Mayfield loves to play spoiler probably as much as about anybody else uh, that I can think of. So, you know, he's going to try to go in there and and, –
0: Probably imagine all of the Ravens as Hugh Jackson. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no doubt about that uh, for sure. As far as that goes, on the NFC side, uh, things are a little more cut out, but those uh, final playoff spots certainly up for grabs. And Minnesota's got a lot to play for when they take on this uh, Chicago Bears team this weekend. And the way some of this can play out, uh, I mean, things. Could, in theory, look a lot different on the NFC side uh, come when it's all said and done on Sunday than the way it looks uh, at this time right now, Tom.
1: Yeah, it is, and, and that game is one of the biggest ones. And then, if the Vikings win, they turn around and, and go to Chicago uh, and play Chicago uh, at home. I mean, they could potentially be playing each other four times or I guess three times this season, and back-to-back. And back. We haven't had that in how many seasons? Do you, I don't know, I can't remember. But it hasn't been that long ago, I I, I think, that this has happened.
0: The uh, Eagles and Cowboys faced off uh, a lot uh, a few years back. And uh, the Cowboys won all three times um, when that happened, which is uh, surprising to say. Uh, but then you got that uh, that the other game I'm I'm intrigued looking at this playoff picture this weekend. Tom is that uh, that Colts Titans game. The uh, game uh, the Colton the Colts are a three point favorite. We'll pick it here in just a few moments. But. The Colts have been an interesting story. First year back with Andrew Locke, after all, he suffered suffered last year. He'll be the comeback player of the year in the National Football League, and he's an MVP candidate as well. Meanwhile, Tennessee has a new head coach this year and Mike Vrabel, and uh, Marcus Mariota it looks like he will play. That'll be a big factor in all this as well. But you got two teams that have been under the radar all season long that have a chance to go into the playoffs uh, with some momentum, and they got some dynamic quarterbacks. Who knows what could happen uh, if either one of these two teams get in?
1: Yeah, no joke. And, and the Colts really super surprising, and and I think under under the radar is even a. I mean, I think that's. I mean, at least that. I mean, I think it's even more so than that. I don't think anybody expected uh, kind of the rise uh, of the Colts compared to what they did in the first part of the season. Uh, I think that's one of the most surprising storylines of the entire season is the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, I, I mean, Andrew Luck, you can't ever count him out. Still a great quarterback, you know, struggled a couple years with injuries and things like that. But uh, now, the chance to go to the playoffs, the Colts are – Colts
0: are playing hot. Yeah, they are. And, and I'll say this, with, with the Colts, I know they gave one up when uh, when Frank Wright decided to go for it on a fourth out on his own end against the Texans earlier in the year, and they didn't play for the tie. They ended up losing that game to the Texans, ultimately, based on the result that Frank Wright did. I'll say this much, yes, it, it didn't look like a great decision at the time, that he didn't play for the tie. You know, he ultimately ended up losing that game. But what he did do in that moment, Tom, is he he made, he cost himself a regular season game for possibly a postseason reward. Because ever since then, that team has played with a lot of confidence. They've instilled some energy in that group. And there's been a fire that wasn't there with this team before. I know that they sacrificed a game early on in the process, but I will never fault a coach in going for a win in that situation. I, I mean, yes, it didn't work out, but uh, I, I appreciate that Frank Wright was willing to play for the win in that scenario. And ultimately, his team is, uh, is extremely confident. And I, I don't think they would be in this position where they are now without that moment of showing the belief that he had in that team in that situation back then early on this season. You know, and
1: if, if that does work, if they do get that fourth down to win the game, uh, then you're calling the man brilliant, then you're calling him a hell of a coach. Right. Awesome. You know, I mean, it, it goes two ways there, and it's always been that way.
0: Well, you can't say um, that Anthony Lynn is a genius for going for it on that two-point conversion on Thursday night against the Chiefs, but yet say that Frank Wright's an idiot. I mean, you can't have it both ways.
1: Exactly, and I completely agree with that. I mean, you, you can't, you, you can't just have it both ways. I mean, it's either they're brilliant or stupid or, you know, they always say that. Uh, but, you know, some days you win them and some days you lose them. Uh, I mean, that's just what it comes down to. Hell, the Colts, the Colts could have had that fourth down, and we wouldn't even be talking about this week right now. We'd just be talking about how big a ball Frank Wright's got and how good of a coach he's been this year for the Colts.
0: Yeah, could be. Could be the case. Uh, but it should be an interesting playoff picture. I think the Chiefs are going to win. They'll get in. Um, my Baltimore pick, I'll save that for picks as far as how I have that uh, all – Shaping out as far as that goes. But I think that's going to be very close. Um, you go to the NFC side, I think the Saints are going to be your one seed, and uh, the Seahawks will be in, of course. Um, Minnesota, I think, is uh, going to be on the outside looking in uh, as far as this goes. Uh, but it's going to be tough how this all shapes out. Tom, uh, how how do you see this playoff picture unfolding when the weekend is over with? You know what? Um, I,
1: see, I see the Chiefs in the home field. Um, I see I, – I hope, and here's a, here's a big word, hope that the Vikings pull this off and can somehow beat the Chicago Bears uh, because as biased as I am every show about about the Los Angeles Rams, I would be very nervous if, if the Rams had to play the Bears again. And that, uh, from just a logical standpoint, it's probably what's going to end up happening. Um, so I'm a Vikings fan this weekend as much as you are a Browns fan. Uh, and is, with that said, I, I do see uh, I do see the Ravens getting in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, well, uh, we'll talk about that here coming up in a second. But uh, time for picks this week. We'll start out with our college football picks against the spread and then go with our NFL picks. And uh, we're going to go ahead and pick uh, our college football games for this week and next because we will not have a show uh, by the time next week's games roll around, with it being New Year's Day and everything, part of the next week. So we'll go ahead and go through both of them. Tom, uh, you are uh, behind in the clubhouse, so about three games to a Billy in our standings, and we're getting down to the end here as we'll go all the way to the Super Bowl. But you need to pick up some wins, so let's see what we can do for you. Let's start out with that, uh, that College Bowl playoff semifinal at the Orange Bowl. Oklahoma taking on Alabama. The Tide are a 14-point favorite. You heard both of our picks earlier in the show, so against the spread, Tom, uh, we'll, we'll continue what we were saying. We both like OU to cover in this game, but we like Bama to win the game.
1: Yeah, especially at a 14-point margin. I mean, that's, Way too high. Yeah, I mean, if it was Alabama by 6.5 or even 7.5, I would be, I would be, You know, I would probably still take Alabama. A 14-point on Tyler Murray and this OU offense? No. I I
0: cannot see that happening. Yeah. I'll go with OU as well on that 14-point margin. I'm with you. I like Alabama to win the game, but there's no way OU doesn't keep this within 14. I I got Alabama by 7. That would put OU in good shape as far as the spread goes. I, I don't see this being a blowout performance by any means. Uh, So, I'll go with the Sooners to cover uh, with Bama as a 14 point favorite. Clemson and Notre Dame. The uh, Tigers are a 12 and a half point favorite against the Fighting Irish. That game down in Dallas. So, no real home field advantage for either squad as far as that goes in this matchup. True neutral side game between these two Clemson at 12 and a half. Tom, I got to go with Clemson at 12 and a half. I think they win and they cover in this matchup uh, i i think that they're just a much better team than notre dame is no disrespect to the tide but uh, to uh the irish by any means but uh, i think this game may be close for a while but ultimately clemson's gonna pull away in the fourth quarter yeah I, I think so too and
1: if it was any higher than 12 and a half i would be hesitant but i, I think clemson's got a, a pretty good hand on this
0: all right so we both like clemson at 12 and a half the uh, Peach Bowl, one of the uh, New Year's Six games. It's the first New Year's Six game on the schedule. Florida takes on Michigan. That game, Michigan is a six-point favorite, Tom. Florida. A lot of people like this Florida team. What they've done this year, Tom. But if you look at their schedule, what's their best win? Kentucky.
1: Yeah, man, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and with that said, I'll, I'll have to go with uh, I'll have to go with Michigan here. Um, you know they absolutely got decimated by Ohio State, but uh, you know, I, mean, I think they can. I think they can manage uh, this Florida
0: Gator team. Yeah, Michigan six point favorite. I'll go Michigan as well. We're, we're agreeing a bit too much here. <laughs> Alamo Bowl. This might be my favorite game, Tom, of the non-New Year's Six playoff games. The Alamo Bowl features Iowa State and Washington State, and for for Iowa State, Tom, this is their biggest bowl game in years, maybe ever to have this matchup against Washington State uh, down there in San Antonio. This is a big deal for them. Washington State uh, not coming in playing their best ball. They, they gave one away to Washington. They were well on their way to winning a Pac-12 championship before losing their arch rivals in the Apple Cup. The uh, Cougars are a three-point favorite. Uh, do, do, do you like Brock Purdy in Iowa State, or do you like Mike Leach in Washington State?
1: Man, I'm going to have to go – as much as it pains me to say, I it know it'll bite me in the ass. Um, I'm gonna have to go with Mike Leach. Uh, you know, Washington State's played uh, pretty good football year. Iowa State is on the up and coming with Matt Campbell, but uh, you know, I think I think Mike Leach. Uh, you know, the spread is uh, three. Yeah, three. I, I think Washington State can manage that.
0: This is gonna be a close game. I think this is gonna be exciting. There's gonna be some points. Uh, but ultimately, Iowa State, I think, is going to be too much. I got to go Iowa State uh, as an underdog at at uh, at, at a, a three point underdog at that. I'll go with them to cover that one. The Camping World Bowl, West Virginia and Syracuse. Syracuse is a one point favorite. And worth noting in this one, Tom, we will not see Will Greer. Will Greer will not play oh, in I this game. Know that. Yes, he is out. He will not play. He is uh, sitting out to prepare. For the NFL Draft, Syracuse a one-point favorite. Who do you got?
1: Yeah, well, with that new information, if Will Greer was going to play, I would take West Virginia. But now knowing that Will Greer – who is their backup?
0: That I don't know off the top of my head, to be honest with
1: you. Neither do I. And I think Will Greer is what kind of makes this team a little dangerous. Uh, I mean, Will Greer is kind of the reason they gave OU a run for their money uh, as close as they did. So, with that said, I will go Syracuse.
0: Yeah, no, Will Greer. I'm not going to pick West Virginia either. I'll go uh, Syracuse as a a one-point favorite to cover that one. The Rose Bowl, Washington and the Ohio State. Uh, It is the uh, swan song for uh, Ohio State uh, head coach Urban Meyer. His final game that he will coach there for now. Uh, (laughs) They're a a six-and-a-half-point favorite taking on the Huskies. Uh, Washington... Has only played one big game this year. That was against Auburn. They lost that game. Uh, Ohio State has had some big moments. Uh, they beat Michigan. Uh, they won the Big Ten championship. Tom, who do you like in uh, Urban Meyer's uh, final game for now?
1: You know, I think he's. I think he's got to go out on top. Um, Ohio State six and, point out, six and a half point favorite. Uh, if it was any higher, I might be a little hesitant. But I, I think they're going to beat this Washington team.
0: I'll go with Ohio State 6.5 as well. I think they're going to play for their coach, and uh, this will be a big game for them uh, to go out with this Rose Bowl. I'll go with Ohio State 6.5. The Sugar Bowl, Texas taking on Georgia. Georgia's disappointed to be in this Sugar Bowl. They thought they were going to be in the playoff. Texas on the other end, this is their biggest bowl game in years for this Texas squad. And if you look at Texas's record all year long, yes, there are, you know, four losses there, but they have competed in every single game this year and have made things close. Georgia is a 13-point favorite, Tom. i got to go with Texas to cover. I like Georgia to win this game, but I think that the the Longhorns can keep this within that 13-point gap. Yeah,
1: 13 is definitely too high for me, and and I I agree with you. I think Georgia will win this game, Um, but I, I think Texas can keep it a lot closer than 13 points.
0: Kentucky taking on Penn State. Penn State, a a a six-and-a-half point favorite in the Citrus Bowl. Mark Stoops going up against uh, James Franklin and his Penn State squad. Penn State is six-and-a-half. Tom, who you got in the Citrus Bowl?
1: Jones, I'm going to go ahead and pick Penn State here. You know, Kentucky, they had a good season for Kentucky. Uh, And Penn State, you know, their year wasn't necessarily something to look at, per se. I mean, it's good enough to get them here. Uh, But at the same time, I think they're too big of a match for Kentucky, and I'll take Penn
0: State by what six and a half. Yeah, six and a half, you're looking at, that's a touchdown. I think Penn State can win this by a touchdown. Uh, I'll go Penn State uh, to cover in the uh, Citrus Bowl. The Fiesta Bowl, LSU taking on UCF. UCF without their quarterback, McKenzie Milton. He's been out for the uh, last uh, couple games, but yet they've still won without him. LSU, this is a a big stage for them, for uh, Coach O and company to get to this Fiesta Bowl. Uh, 7.5 point favorite LSU is, and uh, UCF has had a lot of success in these New Year's Six games. They've already won a Peach Bowl last year when they won the national championship, and then (laughs) uh, they won the Fiesta Bowl the last time they were here when they took on Baylor, a high-powered Baylor team. Tom, who you got between LSU and UCF? LSU at 7.5. Yeah.
1: Seven-and-a-half is a little bit too high for me. If it was six-and-a-half, I would be more apt to pick LSU. Uh, I I think LSU probably wins this game by a touchdown. So it being seven-and-a-half, I'll take UCF.
0: So by the half point, you're that confident in the half point? I am. am. That's uh, that's, that's saying a lot right there. I like UCF not only to cover at seven-and-a-half, I like the Golden Knights to win this game. I think UCF takes down LSU and wins their third straight New Year's Six Bowl because they got something to prove. This is a motivated team. This is a talented team. They got a good offense. Uh, I haven't been a believer in LSU all season long. I've had my doubts about this LSU team. Uh, I like UCF to win, uh, even as a seven and a half point underdog. I'll take them. The Outback Bowl Mississippi State taking on Iowa. Mississippi State, led by quarterback Nick Fitzgerald. They're a seven point favorite going up against a very physical iowa team tom who you got
1: yeah i'm gonna go with mississippi state here i I like iowa i like what they've been doing all year but uh against this sec team mississippi state uh, you know i gotta i gotta believe in them uh i I can't i can't pick against mississippi state uh not against iowa at least i I think mississippi state gets
0: this game all right i gotta go mississippi state as well tom we disagreed on one college game out of ten there Let's see if we can do something different here in uh, our NFL picks this week as uh, we move on to those last week of the regular season in the National Football League. Let's start out with the uh, game on Sunday Night Football in primetime. It's the Colts t- taking on the Titans. The uh, Colts are a three-point favorite uh, against this Tennessee squad. Tom, who you got? Colts a th- uh, three-point favorite on the road in Nashville.
1: You know, Colts are looking too good so far uh, this late in the season. I think Andrew Luck gets
0: the job done. I'll go with the Colts on the road as well. Uh, I I think that they can win this uh, against this Indy team. Chicago taking on Minnesota. Chicago already knows where they're at in their playoff positioning, so they don't really have a whole lot to play for per se. Taking on this Minnesota team who's got everything to play for. Minnesota at home. They're a five-point favorite. Must-win game for the Vikings, Tom. You're gonna go with the uh, the guys from Minnesota as a five point favorite.
1: You know, I'm gonna go with Chicago here simply because I don't think I think Chicago wants to be done with the Vikings. I mean, it comes down to who would you rather have uh, against the Vikings again, or would you rather maybe take the Philadelphia Eagles? Um, and you no, know, I just think the Bears are just gonna go ahead and do away with the Vikings and, and take their chances uh, with Nick Bowles.
0: Yeah, I'll go with, uh, I'll go with uh, Chicago in this game as well. It's a five-point underdog. I think they can pull this one off. Cleveland and Baltimore. The Ravens, a six-point favorite at home, going up against Baker Mayfield and company. Must-win game for the Ravens as they try to lock up that AFC North championship. Meanwhile, the Browns uh, are trying to finish the season on a high note with a winning record for the first time in uh, close to a decade. Tom, who gets it done?
1: Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to go with the Ravens here. I, think I like what Lamar Jackson's been able to do this season, and, and the Ravens put in trust him and uh, him over Flacco. And if this game was at the dog pound, I might be, uh, might be feeling a little bit different. But, uh, I, you know, Baker Mayfield's had a good season, but uh, the Ravens have something to play for here. And if the Ravens can knock the Steelers out of the playoffs, I think it would put a smile on them, just about everybody on the roster's face.
0: Ravens have been uh, playing good lately. I I get that, but I really like what Cleveland's doing uh, right now, and uh, I I think that they'll get it done. I'm still not sold on Lamar Jackson, Tom. I'm not. Um, I I don't think that his game can last in this league. I know that he has been a nice stretch these last few weeks, but his accuracy has not been there. His completion percentage is still not that great. Uh, I'm going to go with Cleveland in this one as a six-point underdog to win this one. Uh, so we agree on two games so far. Let's see if we can do anything different here. Dallas taking on the Giants. Giants are at home. They're a seven-point favorite. Dallas has already locked up the division. Uh, they know where they're going to be. They're not going to have a first-round bye. Uh, meanwhile, the Giants, uh, you know, they, they're they going to miss the playoffs. And Not a lot to play for for either one of these teams. G Men are a seven point favorite. Who, uh, who you got in this one, Tom?
1: You know, I'm going to go ahead and still take Dallas. They're giving Dallas seven points. Uh, even if the Giants win, oh, at, at worst case scenario, I think we're looking at a, a push here by taking Dallas. So I'll go ahead and take Dallas.
0: Okay. I got to go Dallas here as well, uh, in this game. I think that, um, uh, Dallas has not been, you know, getting pushed around this second half of the season. And I don't know how much we're going to see the starters in this game, but I do like uh, Dallas to uh, keep it within seven, uh, no matter who's on the field for them as far as that goes. Last game, Chargers and a Broncos. Chargers going on the road to Denver. Uh, the Chargers, of course, still alive for that one seed, still trying to win the AFC West as well. And I'm sure Denver would like nothing more than to spoil that. They're still playing for their head coach, uh, trying to uh, keep him around as well, uh, even as bad as he may be there in Denver. Uh, LA is a four-point favorite on the road. Tom, who gets it done? You know,
1: I'm going to go ahead and thank LA. They're still trying to push for that one seed, and uh, and, and you know, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the Chargers will be the biggest Raider fans. Uh, for
0: the first time in a long time this weekend. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with the uh, the Chargers in this game as well uh, as a four-point uh, under four point favorite to uh, win this one. So those are our picks for this week. Continue to follow along all season long with our picks right here on the Jones Report each and every week. Before we get out of here, time for our final Tom Fullery story of the year. Tom, what do we have in store this week? So, Jones, we're,
1: we're doing something here that everybody... And their mom has literally done. Uh, we're talking about selfies, selfies today. The uh, article reads:
0: I've gotten a few selfies from Tom via Snapchat in my life.
1: We've we that I'm sure this probably will affect Brian Nolan more than it would uh, between me and you.
0: Oh yeah, he's he's doomed with this one.
1: Yeah, he might as well go ahead and schedule surgery. Um, saying that, selfie risk an emergence or an emerging hazard of digital age, Doctor warns. Um, yeah, your next selfie could be your most painful one, a California doctor has warned. Dr. Levi Harrison, a San Fran-based physician, is warning people about selfie wrist caused by people using their phone's camera to take a photo of themselves. Uh, selfie wrist is a form of carpal tunnel syndrome. People who experience selfie wrists may be feeling a tingling or a sharp pain, which comes from flexing your wrist inward or holding your phone too long without moving. There have been several incidents in recent years which doctors have diagnosed selfie risks, according to the Irish Medical Journal. Incidents included the selfie taker jumping on a trampoline, walking on rocks, or just not paying attention and ending breaking the wrist from falling or colliding with objects. Um, According to Statista, at least 62% of Americans have taken at least one selfie of themselves. The stat included 82% of people aged 18 to 34 A 2018 study discovered that between October 2011 and November 2017, there have been 259 deaths associated with taking a selfie, with the most concentrated deaths coming from the U.S., India, Russia, and Pakistan. Jones, are you putting yourself at risk taking selfies? How often do you take selfies?
0: I I take a selfie every now and then. Um... Not as much as I as I used to, per se. Um, so I guess my risks have gone down. But knowing that this is dangerous, Tom, here, here's the thing about this. Um, you know, we're we're making people aware with this story. We're creating awareness here. But I would bet that the majority of folks, even with the awareness, are still not going to care. That they're willing to take this life-threatening risk.
1: You know, probably not. And and the funny thing, there's two people at work that I work with. Uh, I mean, they're all they're like in their 40s. Uh, they both one just had carpal tunnel surgery yesterday, and the other one had carpal tunnel, carpal tunnel surgery at the end of October. Uh, Selfies weren't around then. Um, you know, growing them growing up, and I, they're not big selfie takers now that I'm aware of. Um, I'm not big enough. On selfies to think that, you know, one time would put me at risk, but, you know, I am aware now. Um, I'm not going to limit the number of selfies that I take because I take so few, so I don't think it necessarily applies. But I have seen some people out there that, you know what, I would not be doubting that they might have to have carpal tunnel surgery sometime soon if this is as big as it's cracked up to be.
0: This might be the end all be all.
1: Yeah, carpal, carpal tunnel doctors everywhere are just like, yeah, keep taking selfies so we can keep working on your wrist.
0: Right. Oh, yeah. Th- now they're going to be encouraging these selfies so they can get more patients in. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. If typing wasn't enough. So based on... We, we think that Nolan would be one of those to get this. Like, he's pretty much going to die from this. Um, who else do we think is going to be affected who, by this disease?
1: Instagram that, like... Have a song playing in the background, and they show their different angles of their face, and kind of comb back their hair.
0: Every every white girl in America. Yes. Yes, um, I I think that might be the people most affected, or Nolan and every white girl in America.
1: And those people, you know, and, and I've seen so many memes about this. That drive around. And oh yes. The video themselves driving while singing.
0: Those um, people are the worst.
1: Point. I hope they get carpal
0: tunnel. I hope they do, too. I hope they get more. <laughs> Those people are the absolute worst. I- Instagram's got this new feature now where you can connect your Spotify and put, like, music within your Spotify. You don't need to do yeah. that. You don't need to drive around and play music and and re- just to get your stupid Instagram video. doesn't need to happen. You're putting other people at risk. That
1: they just fake sing along, and it's just like, golly, this is... Like, oh, it's just the dumbing down of America. I I would, you could never catch me doing that. And if you ever do it, just making fun of the people who actually do that.
0: Yes, it's, uh, if you do that, it is in jest. It would be in a joke. No one,
1: yes. no one does that. Not in the car, but in the bathroom mirror.
0: That's, that's so weird.
1: He does. I hope he listens.
0: Yes, I hope he gets the carpal tunnel.
1: He probably already has it.
0: Oh, I'm sure. Gets it? He's probably got it in both arms, both wrists. Yeah. Yes. So it is dangerous. Maybe in
1: his foot.
0: Yeah. Be careful in the selfies, because uh, there could be damage coming to you uh, if you don't. Otherwise, uh, you have been warned. This has been a Jones report, a warning, and uh, now. Hey. Uh, so you, it's PSA. Yes, a PSA. You cannot say that we didn't tell you otherwise.
1: You've been told. You've been warned about yes. the risk of selfies. Now Jones, you can't get carpal
0: tunnel from giving us a five star rating. That's that's talk about transition right there. You cannot get one. That's absolutely right. You can leave us a five star review of the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, uh, Spotify, and all that, uh, and subscribe to the show there. Also follow us on social media at Tyler Jones Live, at Thomas underscore Bridges, at TJ Media Group on Twitter. Uh, Tyler Jones Live, Tyler Jones Media Group on Facebook. Uh, You can't get Carpal Tunnel from doing that either. No, not at all. Never. But you can like us, you can follow us there and uh, give us a shout. We'd love to uh, reach out to you guys and I hope you have a good rest of the holiday season and we will talk to you in the new year. So looking forward to that. Big thanks to Zach Robinson for joining us as well as uh, Matt Reynolds for hanging out with us and uh, we'll see how things work next week and uh enjoyed the holiday season glad we could talk to you during these holidays and uh, still bring you a show this week and looking forward to what is in store in uh, the next week ahead and into the next year no doubt about that tom uh if my math is correct i believe that with january coming around we'll begin our eighth season of doing the jones report year number eight is on the way so that's just crazy to think about. But more to come in the new year, bigger and better than ever before. Thanks uh, to all our guests for joining us. Big thanks to Thomas Bridges as well. Have a great rest of your holiday. Taco Jones saying so long. This has been another edition of the Jones Report. We'll see you next week. The
1: Jones Report. <laughs> Fuck yeah.